0: hello and welcome to another episode of Idleman Unplugged. This episode features Pastor Shane reading chapter 5 of his book If My People. We hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. A hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and it's only found one place. Chapter 5: Fasting adds spiritual strength. Fasting adds spiritual strength. Chapter five of If My People. And I'm also going to add into this chapter the physical benefits of fasting. Not only the spiritual benefits, but the physical benefits as well. So let me get right into the manuscript here. If I've learned one thing pastoring, it's this. When you allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your physical appetite, your spiritual appetite for God increases. Basil, Bishop of Caesarea around AD 330, said, Fasting begets prophets. It strengthens strong men. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. It is the soul's safeguard, the body's trusted comrade, and the armor of the champion, the training of the athlete. Fasting doesn't make God love me more, but I sure love him more. When I choose to fast, I love God more. He doesn't love me more. Fasting involves prevailing prayer. We go from asking to seeking to knocking. It's been said that fasting meets all the requirements of Second Chronicles 7.14. It certainly involves humility, prayer, seeking God, and turning from sin. Fasting also adds spiritual strength to our lives through the discipline it takes to fast. We are encouraged to discipline our bodies because we cannot effectively be filled with the Spirit when we lack discipline. Our faith is not a passive faith, but an active one. Romans 6.16 says this, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. In other words, you are a slave. You're either God's servant or God's servant or you're a slave to your passions and desires. You choose. And so through fasting, we are able to bring our fleshly cravings under control. According to 2 Timothy one seven, self self-discipline is a fruit of the spirit. So how are you doing in this area? If you're not doing well, that's okay. I haven't mastered this area myself, but fasting definitely is a tremendous benefit in the heart and life of the believer. Those who say that self-discipline is legalism are dead wrong. We are called to yield to the spirit and quench sin. But when we yield to sin, we quench the spirit. Carnal appetites are subdued when fasting. Although it's challenging because the flesh always wants to negotiate with us, it says, can't we meet in the middle? Don't completely remove food. That's too extreme. Now to interject here, food is not bad, obviously. All things are to be taken in, in thankfulness to God. He gave us food for a reason. Obviously, we need it. It's a good thing. But when it becomes our master, and we are its slave, and we are addicted to it, and we look to it for comfort, and we have to have it. Uh, it becomes a, a form of idolatry, and king's stomach needs to be dethroned from time to time, and fasting is clearly biblical. It's taught throughout all of the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, and he also said, when you fast, a don't appear like the hypocrites do that you're fasting. And when the bridegroom is taken away, my disciples will fast. And to my knowledge, he has not returned. Self-control is also required for leadership. In Titus 1.8, Paul adds that a leader must be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. John Wesley required fasting of his leader so they would be disciplined, disciplined, when it comes to their appetites, rather than allowing their appetites to rule them. So that's really what it is. Eating is good. Food is good. But we bring it into submission and we control it. It doesn't control us. We say, no, I'm not going to such and such. I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to cave in. The flesh is always controlling me. I'm going to put a buffer on that and I'm going to begin to fast and seek God because it has to be combined with prayer and fasting and seeking God. If not, it's just a diet plan. And I don't know if I'll mention it here, but you can download my book, Feasting and Fasting, Feasting and Fasting, as well as 40 Days to Reset Your Life. Both of those will help you answer all the questions about fasting. They're actually at our church website, westsidechristianfellowship.org. Westsidechristianfellowship.org. You can download them free there. Obviously, they're available Kindle, Audible, Barnes & Noble, and things like that. But that would be two good resources for you. Again, free at our church website. Paul told the Corinthian believers, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Check out 1 Corinthians 9:27. An undisciplined leader is really an oxymoron. And again, interjecting here, not perfect. I'm not a perfect leader, and neither is anyone out there. But we strive for that. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to be right before God. So as I believe as John MacArthur said, it's not about perfection, but direction. What direction are we going? And we revisit our passage in Joel in order to witness the power of fasting when he cried out, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. The magnitude of the situation in Joel's day and the magnitude of the situation today determined their response. God's people had departed from him, and the call was to return through fasting, prayer, and brokenness. Fasting deprives the flesh of its appetites as we pray and seek God's will and mercy. We are saying, the flesh got me into this predicament, and now it's time to seek God's mercy and humble myself before him. Now, obviously, people have overcome challenges without fasting. But fasting adds extra strength, especially when overcoming addictions. One addiction may end, but others can continue. For example, the alcoholic switches to caffeine, the nicotine addict switches to sugar, the opiate user switches to food, and what fasting does, it can break this never-ending cycle of addiction. However, fasting is not a cure-all or a magic wand. We don't believe in magic wands, but just throwing it out there. It's a spiritual discipline designed to aid in victory. We're, we're called to discipline our bodies. Why not in the area of food? As the flesh submits through fasting, a stagnant spiritual life turns into rivers of living water. The mind becomes uncluttered and focused. The things of God rather than the things of the world begin to dominate our thinking. Why wait? Begin today. You've probably fallen so many times in this area that you've lost count, and so have I. So don't focus on past mistakes. Get up and try again. God knows your heart. Not perfection, but he's looking for humility, brokenness and dependence upon him. And often I've noticed when I fail, God uses that to break me even more and I get more desperate for him. Not giving permission to fail, but saying the key is to get back up and to keep falling forward. Blessings flow from simple obedience. For example, when we had approximately 1 million sermon views on all of our platforms in less than a month, which I believe was a direct result of fasting, God began to honor our ministry more and more because we didn't do things perfectly, but we stepped out in obedience. And I don't say that to elevate us at all, but to show the power of God, even in the midst of trials, if we look to him. In short, who can stop God Almighty? So begin with wherever you're at today. Again, those books I mentioned can be great resources about what type of fasting is available, how to fast, how long to fast. But I would say start somewhere. Say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give up breakfast and I'm just going to seek you. That doesn't mean eat more later and pig out later, but it does mean set that time aside or dinner maybe for some of you. I think his name was Hal Reese. He would just only eat dinner at night. One meal, God bless his work tremendously during World War II, even prayed to end the war. A lot of people attribute his prayers to big breakthroughs uh, during the war. And there was another time where he wouldn't go out and take dinner. He would just seek the heart of God. Now, you want to find balance there. I think fellowship with friends and family is important, but all of us, I think, can do a lot better in this area. So, start with one meal and then possibly work up, I think, the biblical model. You can look at the Jewish model, you know, obviously sun up to sundown, or they would at least go a day. And again, I'm going to get into a lot of rabbit trails, just in a nutshell, so you know I think the physical and spiritual are both good. We're seeking God spiritually, but the physical benefits and just the longer you can go and even working up to a water fast where you just use water and you get your body cleansed and detoxed. But again, disclaimer, talk to your doctor before you enter into any type of program like that, especially if you're on medication, if you've got underlying health issues. But fasting can really also help those underlying health issues. And again, I'm just going to point you back to those two books I recommended earlier because those can really get you going in the right direction. They're they're. Rich on the whole topic of fasting. The physical affects the spiritual. Let that sink in for a minute. The physical, how I treat my body is also going to affect the spiritual, my spiritual health. For example, can we pray and seek God with all of our heart with a headache type pants and a sluggish, lethargic body strung out on our favorite addictive substances, food and caffeine? And No, we can't. Actually, full stomachs hinder prayer. I never eat when I preach. Worship leaders, I know. Think of at least two or three come to mind right now who will not eat before they're set because there's something dynamic that takes place. And a lot of it isn't super spiritual. It's because your body uses 50% of the energy to digest that food. That's a lot of energy. Wouldn't you rather have the energy to focus in on God and and to rest before Him and to be still and not be amped up on food or sluggish? And so, the physical affects the spiritual. There's just no way around it. Try drinking some alcohol and then getting into the Word. It doesn't work. talked about before, I can't have a lot of coffee in the morning because I just don't want to sit there. I can't sit there. I can't read the Word of God. I get irritable. I get anxious. And that's not healthy either. So, the physical, what we do to the body definitely can affect the spiritual. Again, for those who obviously can make changes. I know there's some people who can't. And now, of course, I'm not talking about putting physical health on a platform that we worship or it's about this perfect body. no even the perfect tens are miserable. I'm talking about a heart surrender to God and understanding that our physical body, how we take care of it does affect the spiritual. how long we live this body is the only place my spirit is going to exist. So, I've got to be a good steward of what I put into my body. And it affects productivity. It affects the quality of life. Our diet affects key hormones such as serotonin for relaxation, dopamine for pleasure, glutamate for healthy thinking, and noradrenaline for handling stress. Yeah, our physical plays a big role. I I would really encourage some of you to get back on the, on track too and even eating better and taking care of your body. If we allow junk food and addictions to control our attitude and productivity, it will hinder what we do for God. Again, I'm talking about the physical and spiritual benefits of fasting. I think both are important. When we're always dealing with stress, anxiety and sickness, can we do as much for God? No, we can't. We will be extremely limited. Boy, can I preach a sermon on this? Looking back on my own life, I was my greatest enemy and really limited myself by not really taking care of my body. And as I'm recording this chapter, I'm in a season of fasting right now. This time, not only physically, and spiritually, uh, seek the heart of God spiritually, but physically, I want to get down to an ideal weight. I think it's important just to be a good steward. There's really no, in my mind, there's no arguing this. Those who get upset at what I'm saying, it's usually because they're convicted and I don't know what to say. You know, conviction uh, is a wonderful gift from God. So instead of getting upset, embrace a conviction and make some changes. Granted, again, there are those who through no fault of their own have a debilitating illness. I'm assuming the reader understands I'm talking to those who can make changes. What you put in the mouth, your body and the mind, your soul affects the spirit. And when you feed the spirit, it affects the body and the soul. I'm often asked to pray for people with panic attacks, angry outbursts and anxiety. Now that can be done God honors prayer and I'm happy to do that. But are we opening the door to these things by not halting and giving up highly addictive things like caffeine and tons of sugar and maybe an opioid addiction, a medication, nicotine habits? I mean, you you look at everything I just mentioned, minus sugar possibly is a drug, but sugar can act like a drug, especially when it's above moderation. Look at what's in your ketchup and your bread and we got to definitely make some serious changes. Are we hooked on these things or are we renewing our minds by meditating on the Word of God and spending time in prayer. The physical affects the spiritual and the spiritual affects the physical. Much of the healing, believe it or not, that I've witnessed over the years was the result of renewed stewardship of the body. Isn't that amazing? Taking care of our body. And we also know that many emotions such as anger, bitterness, and jealousy are toxic to the body. Health also involves healthy emotions. For example, having a forgiving loving, joy-filled heart does wonders for the body. Serotonin, for example, is increased when the heart is right. And this critical chemical also is affected by diet and exercise. Did you catch that? Serotonin is also affected by our diet and moving. The thing, here's a big deal about exercise. God created us to move and to work and to be active. That's how he created us. So, if we're not fulfilling how we were created and we're just Becoming lazy, I believe that needs to be repented from and worked on and start moving in the right direction and get out there and get that body moving. You feel so much better. The body operates better. And that's why there's a big deal, a big push for exercise. It really affects the body because that's how we were designed. We were not designed to carry all this extra weight and be lethargic. It impacts our mood at a very deep level. Anybody want to be in a better mood? Hello. All of these things that I'm talking about contribute to an overall state of well-being. Unless God calls you to fast immediately, and he may, he may be doing that right now. At a minimum, wean yourself off of coffee, strong black tea, soft drinks, nicotine, sugar, processed food before jumping into a fast. It will aid your success. Granted, the week or so you're doing that, the 10 days you're doing that, I often tell people take about 10 days, it's not going to be easy. Actually, what I've noticed getting off of all that and even still being able to eat is harder harder than going into a water fast, just drinking water only. Because when you do that and your body's fairly clean, you're not withdrawing from caffeine and all the sodium and processed foods. There's chemicals and processed foods that they put in there to make them highly addictive. And so, fasting is really not that bad. What's bad about it, what's hard is you're getting off of all that addictive stuff. So, if you have time, unless God's convicting, start immediately. Get off all that stuff. No caffeine. It's going to be hard. Food, clean diet, maybe minimal food, maybe intermittent fasting, and then you jump in right into water-type fasting much, much easier. So, I, I encourage people to prepare themselves by getting their body and mind ready. As I said my book, Feasting and Fasting, most choices lead either to the filling of the Spirit or to quenching and grieving Him. Giving into one area of weakness lowers our defense in other areas. This aligns with 1 Peter 2:11 in which Peter urges his readers to abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. So what I'm going to do is I've got a fasting journey as I authored this book if my people and I think a lot of this material is in those other two books I recommended. So I'm just going to point you to those or even the ebook version of this one. If my people, you can skip to my fasting story and, and what I went through, what I did. I think that would be really helpful. But I'm going to hop now to the second part or the next part. Physical health is important too. I already talked about this briefly, but I think this is important. I often wonder how many diseases could be prevented and or reversed by even partial fast and eating clean and eating less. I mean, you look at as a person gets older, you don't see a lot of overweight people in their 70s. You can look at Walter Longo at USC, Fasting Mimicking Diet. He's a professor of longevity. You can study a lot of what these guys write, what comes out, what they publish and just see that we are eating too much and we're eating too much of the wrong things. Even multiple sclerosis, for example, is a disease where the immune system slowly consumes the protective sheath that covers the nerves. Can this happen because the body's kept in a toxic state and not allowed to heal? Absolutely. What about Parkinson's, Alzheimer's? These are deteriorating diseases And what happens is they are affecting the brain and the brain tissue has fewer and fewer nerve cells and the connections become damaged and diseased and toxic. There's a lot of buildup from the foods we consume and even the things we inject into our body. And so, fasting can really help to clean this. So, could fasting, while one is consuming life-building food, at other times, reverse or prevent some of these illnesses? Absolutely. The studies are remarkable. Fasting doesn't cure any disease or it doesn't heal you. What it does, it allows the body now to begin the healing process. And so now I don't have all this energy going to digest and assimilate food. I don't have all this energy now dealing with toxins. I just ate a huge meal of partially hydrogenated oils, sodium nitrates, emulsifiers, and food coloring and additives and tons of sugar tons of byproducts of processed foods that are not good, not healthy, no life in the food, no sustenance that my body can absorb in regard to vitamins and minerals and nutrients. And so now my body has to deal with all that and the toxic effect of that. And so fasting is a season of of getting rid of all that. Now, if you fast and decide to don't go back to that old nature and begin to consume all those things again, because that can really kill all the results that you experienced. And for example, a five-day fast, just drinking water does wonders for the body. And the current thought in the fitness world is that we need to at least go five days for the benefits of fasting. Something like autophagy kicks in. Again, I won't go into it here. I have it in those other resources I recommended. Apoptosis, brain-derived nootropic factor where your brain really begins to develop certain proteins that can prevent against Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And so, it's just amazing. And that's what is so amazing to me. The spiritual benefits of fasting are enormous, but the physical benefits, anytime God calls you to do something spiritually, the physical benefits are also going to be just incredible. So let me just give a conclusion here. The spiritual benefits are fasting. What you're doing is, and and there's some questions around the verse, you know, where, where Jesus said, you know, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Some manuscripts have it, some manuscripts don't. Let's assume the early church fathers taught it and believed on it. And there is certain demonic elements in the life of a believer that I believe they're strongholds. And sometimes those strongholds, a stronghold can be like a wall, like a tower. Sometimes they come down brick by brick, by brick, sledgehammer. Imagine a sledgehammer just knocking at that stronghold. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Sometimes it might take a few fasts and sometimes you don't see the breakthrough, but you're trusting God and that's where faith becomes activated upon. What you believe in God, I believe in you. I trust in you. I'm stepping out in faith. So fasting and faith are critical. They actually go together. You can't have one without the other. And it just, Lord, I trust your word. I trust that denying the fleshly appetites and that the flesh is always saying, feed me, feed me. It's saying, feed me so I can destroy you ultimately. And there's nothing good in the flesh. And that's why we have to keep it at bay. The spiritual benefits also when we tell the flesh no, there is a consequential reaction in regard to our spiritual health. The filling of the Holy Spirit can come from obedience and saying, no, I'm denying this area for a greater appetite, a hunger, and and a thirst for God. So I pray that this section in this chapter, in this podcast, depending on when you're listening to it, I really pray that it has clarified the role that fasting should play in our spiritual life. Like prayer and coming together, like Joel talked about, Spiritual disciplines have largely been neglected in our churches. And what happens, that's been to our detriment. We have lacked in spiritual power and really changing and making impact on society. If you read a lot about old revivals, I'm talking 1700s. 1800s, 1900s, all of them began with seasons of fasting and prayer. Believe it or not. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. God will honor the focused attention of his people to bring the flesh into submission. Now, this requires first a refocus on personal holiness and our own walk with the Lord. Fasting is not a good work, okay? It's not like, okay, I'm spiritual here. Look how spiritual I am. That's why Jesus said, you know what? Unless you have to, it's best not to tell people. Obviously, you can tell people. Jesus told, how do we know he fasted? Or Moses fasted? Or Ezra? Or Elisha? Or Paul, how do we know in much fasting? How do we know that they fasted before they chose elders? How do we know in Nehemiah? How do we know he he fasted unless he told us? So, I think as long as the heart is right and it's maybe calling a corporate fast or it's, it's to help someone or encourage someone, I think it's okay to tell somebody as long as the heart's right. But then also if it's about being spiritual like the Pharisees, you know, we shouldn't tell anyone except those closest to us. In the end though, our faith is a personal choice. It's a personal relationship with Jesus and our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. We can't trust, I'm not trusting in fasting and you shouldn't be. It's just a mechanism. It's a tool that God has given us to bring our flesh under submission. It's a very, very wonderful thing when it's used correctly. So hope that helps. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. Edify Podcast Network.